0: Hey, this is Tom, and before we get started, I wanted to share something pretty cool with you. I host my podcast on Buzzsprout, and Buzzsprout implemented a new feature called Fan Mail, which I want to try out. So what that means is if you go to the show notes for any episode, including the one you're about to listen to, there's a little link that says send a text message, and you can click that and just send a quick message, and that's pretty cool. Do not overthink this. It can just be a thought that you have. It can be as informal as a text message you would send a friend. We could be friends, right? I'm super excited about this because it's always sort of tricky to figure out, like, how to communicate via podcasts that don't have traditional comment sections and things. Of course, there's always the regular email and the SpeakPipe link on HiMyNameIsTom.com. But if you want to send a quick message, you can just click the Send a Text link and send me some mail. Now I'm going to send you to the episode. My name is Tom. This is the Enthusiasm Project, Season Three, Episode Twelve, and today we're going to talk all about how I metaphorically have shot myself in the foot, possibly. And to be totally honest, I wasn't hundred percent sure that this was actually something I wanted to do an episode about. It was kind of like on my mind, but I, I didn't want to be too like preachy or too like on my soapbox. However, every time I was trying to. Th- jump into a different topic and work on something. This was just the thing that kept bubbling up. And so I figured, you know what, maybe it's an important thing to talk about. And it ties into something that has just been really percolating on my mind this week, but it's also very much connected to this last week's episode of this podcast, where I basically talked about, you know, how to balance YouTube with a job? And at what point would you maybe even be able to consider YouTube as your job? And I mentioned that, you know what, that's something I actually would love to to shoot for and to aim for at some point in the future. And then I have basically proceeded to do everything in my power to make that as difficult as possible, but I don't care and I'm not going to fix it. So let's jump in and kind of explain where that comes from. And it really it kind of comes down to like a discussion of if you have any kind of a platform, is there some sort of responsibility to, do you have certain responsibilities, I guess I should say? You don't even need to be any more defined than that. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know. That's sort of something I'm kind of examining, going towards. And then also just the idea that There's a lot of little things, especially if you are somebody that has any kind of a platform with any kind of audience, there are little things you can do that can have profound impacts and effects on other people and other things that happen that you might never be aware of. And I think that even though you might not be able to be aware of those impacts, the fact that you know that that is a thing that can happen will affect how you approach what you do. So... Let's kind of jump into what kicked off this whole thing, which was, of course, I'm sure this is very obvious to you, DJI released a new camera gimbal because nothing relates to this topic more than camera gimbals. Uh, If you're in the camera photo world, I'm sure that you know and have seen that DJI last week released the, the Ronin RS2, like updates to their Ronin gimbals, which if you're somebody who uses camera gimbals, those are like legit some of just the best ones out there and I've always been a pretty big fan of DJI because you know drones and gimbals and all that stuff they just seem to kind of make some of the best ones and my favorite thing about DJI is whenever they do release a new product it doesn't seem to be driven so much by like we need to do this year's version of a product sometimes they do an annual release sometimes they don't it really seems to be more driven by we have a new product to release let's release it And the updates and the upgrades and the new features really seem like they've come from a place of actual real world usage. So it's not just, you know, here we try to cram some weird feature into this thing to make you want to upgrade, but it's literally like, if you've used the old version, you probably hit these pain points. The new version fixes those pain points and then also just sort of updates the whole thing based on new you know, technology that has emerged since the original release. So it's whether it's drones, gimbals, whatever, it seems like every time you get the new version of a DJI product, and this totally sounds like an ad, but let me tell you, it ain't. (laughs) Every time you use a new DJI product, it's markedly better than the one that came before it. And last Wednesday, I was hanging out, chilling, as the kids say, and suddenly in my YouTube feed up popped a video that was, hey, I don't actually, I, don't, I didn't say hey. <laughs> it's just Ronin RS2 DJI gimbal thing. And I saw that. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then I noticed there was another one of those videos. And I looked at the clock and I realized it was right at eight o'clock. And I thought, uh oh. And so I waited five or 10 minutes, refreshed my YouTube feed, and there were about 13 videos all about these gimbals. And I was like, oh, you got me again with another wave of embargo videos, which if you know me, you know how much these drive me absolutely insane. And I, I feel bad because on the on the one hand, I am appreciative of the fact that those creators of whom I am a fan, they get the opportunity to do this cool stuff. And it builds relationships with great companies, great, great partnerships. I know a lot of people are very excited to be a part of those things. For me as a viewer like as a consumer, they drive me absolutely crazy because I don't watch any of them. Well, that's not true. I, I don't watch most of them. Basically, the only ones I'll watch is if Peter Lindgren has one, because sometimes he will. And since we're buddies, I'll watch his because I want to see how he approached it. And then if Gerald Undone has one, I'll watch his too. If it's a thing that I'm actually interested in, because that's where I'm going to get like all of the info I could ever need about it. And then I just don't watch any of the others, even if they're from channels and creators who I really like and who I normally get really excited for when I see their videos. And if you're not familiar with what, like what I'm talking about, it's basically oftentimes before a new product comes out, companies will send it in advance to certain creators and they can make their videos about it. They have everything ready and they're under a non-disclosure agreement, an NDA, not to release that video until a certain date and time. And typically they it's all just like the exact same time you'll see a flood of these videos pop out sometimes people will do like you know 10 minutes later or five minutes later but it's usually right there so basically a company can say hey this new thing just came out and then you go oh that's cool and suddenly you go to youtube and you're just flooded with all these videos about it and of course you know in youtube terms it's good for those channels because they get to be first they get to have you know the most views and capitalize on that very excited audience right away because their Their videos are up and out and available first, so it's kind of like it seems like a win-win for the companies and the the creators. They drive me crazy because I I just can't typically see them as being genuine, authentic reviews for a lot of reasons. Oftentimes they are unpaid. I think most of the time, really, they are unpaid. I have never done one myself, and actually I never would because it's literally in the ethics statement that I came up with last summer. Where it's I just don't I wouldn't participate in those but I know people who have, and typically they're unpaid. So it's not that you're, you're making money, but you, you usually do get the product for free. The companies, at least any reputable companies, are very good about not telling you what you have to put in the video. It's sort of like, hey, you wanna check out this new product, here it is, make a video about it, make sure you don't share anything about it, post anything about it until this day and time, and then that's basically it. Sometimes they are paid. I've known a few people who've gotten, like they get the product, then they get some money, and then they get the the guidelines for when to release the video. I have a feeling too, kind of depending on who it is and what the channel is and what the size of the audience is, there could be within a single campaign, like I'll use this gimbal one as an example, some of the creators maybe got paid and got the gimbal and others maybe just got the gimbal. Maybe nobody got paid. Maybe everybody got it paid. I don't know. Um, but anyway, that's basically how it works. I don't like that because I was watching... I was watching a couple of those videos because I know I just said, I, I paused because I just realized I completely contradicted myself by saying like, I don't watch these, but I was, wa-. the reason I was watching these ones was because it like, I wanted to just look at them and just see how people were approaching it. And of course, everybody has their own style. Everybody has their own different approach. But what I was seeing, I was like, these are just commercials. And I don't know that that's what the people intended to make, but you have, you know, you're talking about the product, talking about its features you're talking about the price you have all these beautiful product photography shots and it's it's just a great commercial and every video despite them all being different was just commercial after commercial after commercial i was like i don't like that um and then i panicked because i was like well i make videos that are like that they're about products and the features of the products and the price and there's you know shots of the product and i was kind of panicking for a second, but then I was thinking how important context is because there's such a difference. Like if somebody makes a video about like a camera lens that they use and they tell you all about the lens and they do all those things, talk about the features, the price, whatever, but that's just because that's the lens that they use and they're excited about it or because people have asked them about it. I think that that's very different than this company sent me a new product. Maybe I would have gotten one on my own. Maybe I wouldn't have, but now I'm making the video about it. And I know that even when the companies say, you know, you have full freedom to say whatever you want about the product, I think it's hard to say anything negative. I I know for me, if a company gave me a product to review and it was terrible, I would probably just not make the review video or, not, you know, I wouldn't have agreed to, to work on the thing. But I think that, it can even be tricky if you're given the product, I think intellectually you can know like, okay, this is, you know, $900. Would I, do I feel that this is worth $900? Yes or no. And you can advise people who are watching that video. Yes or no. But I still think that that comes, that's just coming from a different place than being somebody who actually spent their $900 on the thing or was actually like in need of this and trying to search for the best results. Like, Like right now, I'm looking for um, an audio interface for my camera. So almost like a mini mixer, where I can plug in XLR microphones, plug it into my camera, but a small enough little interface that will fit like on top of or below my camera. I've been trying to shop around, get some recommendations. I found a bunch that are, you know, like $1,000 or $700. It's way beyond my budget. I'm looking more for like $200. And I haven't found anything yet, but when I do... If I really like it, I'll probably make a video about it just because, hey, like I've been in this thing trying to find this thing. It was really uh, challenging. If I find a thing that I like, I'll want to share it. And I think that that just comes from a different place than here, like kind of promote our new product. And I know that yeah, I feel I, I never like being critical of what other people are making because it, who am I to to judge or say or or anything. And it's not that any of these videos are bad. And, you know, everybody has their own reasons for doing stuff. But it's just, I just don't find those as authentic as when somebody, you know, makes a review video. My one of my most recent videos, for example, was about a 100 millimeter Canon macro lens. That lens came out in 2009. So while that video might sell some lenses, it might excite people about that lens to buy. It's really not like, part of a marketing campaign from Canon, it was just sort of, hey, people who make videos in this space, there's sort of like the standard lenses that most people tend to use. Here's a really cool option that you might not have considered before, check it out. That's kind of like like the purpose of that video. Same when I got my RODECaster Pro, you know, it was this thing that I was so excited about. It solved so many problems that immediately I wanted to make videos about it because of what it did and what it allowed me to do. And I was very excited about that. But that wasn't them telling me, hey, make a video (laughs) about this thing. Which, you know, I I know it's a very gray area. And I'm not saying it's wrong to participate in that stuff. I'm just saying personally as a viewer, I have a hard time judging the authenticity of that. Which is why, like I said, I will pretty much always watch Gerald Undone's because his aren't really about that. It's just sort of like, here's everything you could ever want to know about this thing, how it functions, what it says it's supposed to do, what it actually does. Um how it does it, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's not really like a, doesn't feel like a promotional piece too much. It's like much more informational. Um, and that's really cool. And obviously like, you know, there, there might be somebody, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but somebody who's like really well known for using a certain product, like really well known for using a gimbal in all their videos. And then the new gimbal comes out. I'm, I am going to want to hear their thoughts on that and their experience with it, because I think that will be Valuable, But otherwise, it just sort of feels like I'm watching a whole bunch of commercials. So I'm not a a fan of that. But what I then noticed scrolling through, which is this is not unusual, but every video that was in my feed of those like 13 with the immediate release were all dudes, mostly white dudes in their 30s, which I was aware of because I am a white dude in my 30s who talks about camera tech. And I feel very self-conscious of that a lot of the time. Just because it that specifically feels very saturated. And I was like, huh. Like, usually there's at least, like, I don't know, I Justine will show up and be like, sadly, the token female creator in like a tech release, or Sarah Dietschy will show up and be the like the other token female creator, but it, they weren't even there. It was just dudes. I was like, huh. Maybe this is just because of the channels I'm subscribed to. So I logged out of my account, just went to the like the unlogged in youtube page searched for the new dji gimbal i did find more videos all dudes just every single one of them was just dudes and again mostly white dudes in their 30s and this like i don't i mean this isn't the first time this kind of thing has happened but this really bothered me and i i don't know why i had such a like visceral reaction to it but it just it really annoyed me because well, for a lot of reasons. Anyway, um, Heather knows that these embargo releases annoy me. And so a lot of times I'll like let her scroll through my YouTube feed and be like, hey, can you guess what product came out today? And then she'll see the 20 videos about the same thing. And I told her like, oh, that happened then. And I was like, but look, there's not a single female creator because Heather, my wife, who is a female YouTube creator, you know, she's she's very aware of the disparity in a lot of niches and a lot of genres and stuff and she's obviously like very in favor of tipping the scales a little more towards equality but and so i expected her to say like wow that's crazy but her reaction was i i get it that makes sense and i was like what and we actually did our whole last week's episode of the couple's table was all about this little disagreement that we had um which like disagreements is a strong word but it was just sort of how we approach this differently so there's a link in the show notes if you want to go check that out but basically like to sum it up her point of view was this is a company they have a marketing budget they're going to put those dollars to work where they're going to get the best return they probably have enough data to suggest that it's mostly dudes that are buying gimbals maybe dudes of a certain age even ethnicity and that's where they're going to send their review units that's who they're going to get in touch with to showcase the new thing and that's really it and Both her and I agree there's nothing malicious there. Like, it's not like DJI is trying to exclude anybody. That is probably what happened. And the creators they're working with are probably also people they've worked with before who have demonstrated themselves as being like easy to work with, you know, reliable, trustworthy, producing a high quality end product and, you know, following the guidelines of the NDAs, all those things. They're sort of like a vetted group of people that the company can trust and that deliver what they need to. So they're just going to funnel their marketing dollars that way. And I said, I know that that's probably what it was. But it's one thing when these releases have very few female creators, and it's all dudes, but this has none, like zero. And eventually, like three days later, there was a video that popped up from iJustine, who is great. Like I've followed her videos since her iPhone telephone bill video back in like 2007, which was like, like, I think one of her first giant videos. She's she's terrific and has earned like every bit of success, but she's like the one female creator who gets like stuff in this space. And of course, then like looking through, you know, the camera photo video niche is very male dominated. There are not a ton of female creators in that space, or at least larger ones. I have found quite a few with smaller channels who, I don't know why the channels are small. The content is excellent. I'll put, uh, links to like all the ones that I'm subscribed to in the show notes as well. So if you want to check out maybe some like different perspectives or some fresh voices, uh, you can do that and support those channels. And my thought with talking to Heather was DJI does have a marketing budget. And this kind of goes, this is, I'm using this release with the DJI gimbal. As an example, but this same thing happens almost any time there's a big product release in this space. So many different companies, many different products, they all kind of just do the same thing. Again, I don't think it's malicious, but I think that it's unintentionally harmful. And my thought is if they do have this marketing budget, they're sending out free gimbals and they're, you know, possibly paying creators. I'm sure there's other stuff happening. There's probably, you know, print campaigns and and whatever why not just find at least like a handful of other female creators and send them the gimbal and and like, let them be a part of it maybe with smaller channels. I mean, I get, you know, maybe someone with like 30 subscribers just isn't quite at that level yet, but somebody who has several thousand, you know, why not? Like, I'm sure it would be great to hear their perspective. It'd probably be a great boost for their channel if they were, if that's something they were excited to participate in. And in terms of like YouTube, it doesn't matter that you don't have to have the biggest subscriber base to have a video that does well. Like it's it's if people are watching it, if people are clicking on that thumbnail and people are watching the video, it doesn't really matter. You can rank up with the biggest channels. And so that would be like a way to potentially use these wave releases, use these products to help support like new voices in this space where it's sort of, it's kind of just like the same the same echo chamber every time there's a new release. And I don't know, you know, if I'm stepping on something that maybe that's intentional to keep it that way. I don't think so. I think it's just sort of an unintentional result. And that I think is very, I just feel like it's important. (laughs) And I feel like, I feel vaguely patronizing again, as a white dude in his thirties talking about these things. But I also feel like, you know, being married to Heather even when my channel was way smaller than her channels, there were just opportunities that would come my way that could have also gone to her, but just didn't. And that can happen once in a while. And then eventually you just sort of like, it just becomes obvious that female creators in like anything, basically, that's not like the beauty niche have a different, they just have a totally different experience on YouTube. And I obviously like can't speak to the intricacies of it, but Heather's talked to me about it a lot. I've seen the comments she gets, which are entirely different from the comments I get. Everything is about, you know, physical appearance and ugh, like having to double prove that you know something just to be considered valid when you give an opinion. It's just, it's wild. Whereas it just seems like it has been a little bit easier for me on my end. And, you know, they're, I don't know the exact reasons for that, but feels like gender might play into that quite a bit. I've also heard Heather, you know, to have conversations with other female creators who will say things like, I got to be part of this panel or in this convention or whatever, but they gave me the worst time slot. You know, they they put my name really small on like the billing and promotional material. And they explicitly told me, this is just because we want to make sure we can say we have like a female creator. So it's like, you're the token Female creator. And that kind of sucks because that's not actually what you would want. And I don't think, again, like, I mean, that feels a little more malicious, which is a very real thing that I've, you know, heard happening uh, without going into more specific details. But that's, you know, not super inclusive. But also, like, I'm a high school teacher, I've worked over the past 10 years with about 2,000 students. And since I work at a public high school, my classes are sort of evenly split in terms of gender. But just for whatever reason, I think it it's always leaned a little more towards female students, maybe like 60-40 or 55-45. Um, it's pretty even, but it's always kind of tipped more towards female. My classes have always had more female students than male students. And especially when it comes to digital media over the years, I've had students of both genders be ultra successful, either like, you know, going to school for this stuff, making a career out of it, or just being leaders in our program and and being the ones who create the best work, who take the initiative, who do all that kind of stuff. I've had, you know, both guys and girls fill those roles over the years. And it's just sort of whoever steps up and wants to do those things. But it has been mostly, I've had more female students than male students fill that role. So what I see is, Young female students, I was going to say creators, but they don't all have YouTube channels yet, are interested in digital media, are interested in video production, audio production, using gear, learning about cameras, learning about all this stuff. And then I don't know what happens after high school where it flips and becomes so male-dominated. I've talked about this on this podcast before that I just don't quite understand why. And I wonder, I can't help but wonder that if they saw if like my high school students saw more female representation in these spaces would they be more apt to continue on in them because i i was a i was a teenager once maybe you were too <laughs> and i know what it's like to feel insecure about everything all the time and i also talk to my students regularly where even my top performing students will regularly come to me and say something about how they don't feel they're good enough. They think everybody else is doing a better job. They don't know if they're cut out for this, even though they really like it. All those kinds of insecurities. And I wish I could tell them, I mean, I do tell them, but I wish I could really have them understand, like the way you're feeling is normal. But as the teacher who sees everybody from a bird's eye view, you're at the top, like you're far above average so all these feelings about not being as good as everyone like you are the leader and but they don't know that they're just you know kind of in their own head a little bit and I and one thing that all of my students over the years who have become you know really skilled technically and successful one thing they've all done since the very beginning when I started teaching this stuff in 2012 is they'll check out equipment from school cameras microphones lights whatever they'll go home And they'll go to YouTube and they will search up that piece of equipment and they'll watch tutorials and they'll watch reviews and they'll learn all about it. Because they can learn, of course they can learn from me in class, but that's so much more one-on-one, that's so much more individualized and that's just, they've all, all the ones who have gained like extreme technical proficiency, we'll call it, have done that. And I show a lot of YouTube videos during my classes from, you know, totally different creators about different topics and things. But it is mostly male creators because that's just like what I can find. (laughs) Um, Sometimes it seems like a lot more if I kind of lean towards like graphic design stuff than I can find some female creators. But if we're doing like camera photo stuff, it's very male dominated. And my female students have never said anything about it. They never said like, why are we watching more like girls in these videos? But they've... and And they've even come to like the... Like I've had female students who will subscribe on their own to Peter Lindgren, like a Swedish dude, like a Swedish former bodybuilder because they like the way that he teaches and they like that he uses the same equipment that they're using or, or whatever. But what I've also seen is I've hung out with Heather enough where I've seen her like do YouTube searches for things. And when videos pop up, if it's a mix of creators, she will click on female creators first And if they're there, she'll click on Asian female creators first. And I saw this happen several times in a row one day and said, like, are you purposely clicking on like the Asian girls first? And she didn't even realize she was doing it. And to me, that was exactly what I'm talking about, because it's just, of course, you're looking for something. You're flooded with advice. You're flooded with opinions. It's natural, even at a subconscious level, to gravitate towards the person who looks most like you, because... That's the most familiar. And it makes sense to think that they're also going to the, have a background or an experience or an opinion that's going to closely match your own because they're the, the most like you. And she didn't even realize she was doing this. I think that we all do that to a certain extent. And what I can say, because the space that I'm in is so dominated by people who look and sound like me, That what that means is especially back when I was like wanting to start a YouTube channel, when I was wanting to learn about this stuff and get into it, there were a lot of people who looked like me who were doing it, which made it feel like it was something I could easily achieve and easily succeed at if I just put my mind to it. It was just about me putting my mind to it. I don't know. I really don't know how I would feel if everybody I saw didn't look like me. And I can only imagine like going back to my students who are Feeling these insecurities, like if you're a 11th grade high school girl, and you're into video production and media production, and all that stuff, and you are feeling a little insecure, regardless of how skilled or talented you might actually be, but you're feeling like, I don't know if I totally belong in this. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if this is for me. And then you go to watch some videos about this stuff. And you don't see anyone else that looks like you at all. I think even subconsciously, that could kind of reinforce that idea that like maybe this isn't for me because there's no one else here that looks like me whereas i can only imagine if one of my students were to type in you know dji gimbal or whatever and they see all the dudes but they see at least a few like female creators in there they'd probably click on theirs first just because again it's relatable it's familiar and if nothing else at least they're there at least the channels are there the thumbnails are there the videos are there. It's enough to show like, yes, you can do this if you want to do this. Because the other part of this was Heather said, um, you know, when when she was first talking about the marketing budget and like, that's probably why they gave these gimbals to mostly male creators or only male creators. Um, she also said like, I just don't think this is a product that like girls really use. And to me, I was like, personally, I was like, I know that's not true because I have friends who use them professionally, like, you know, professional videographers who are female, who use gimbals. Um, specifically, I have one friend who's a wedding videographer and she got like the first, I think it was the Ronin M. It was like this giant gimbal. It was like this big circular thing. It looked like the wheel off of a pirate ship and your camera went in the middle and it took like a half hour to set up. She was like one of the first people to get that and would spend all this time at like the wedding setting it up so she could have it on the, the dance floor during the reception and get all these amazing shots and things. Um, I've known lots of people who work at like our local news stations, kind of where I came from, who are sort of like one woman shows. They're the reporter, videographer, um, editor, the whole thing who use gimbals a lot. And even before, and of course my students check them out, but even before all these videos came out, like earlier that same day, um, speaking again of Gerald undone, I was watching a bunch of his studios undone videos where he kind of like tours, the studios of other YouTubers, which is just like really fun to see. And I was kind of wondering like, oh, who's filming these? Cause it's, it's filmed by a third person. And then I saw a few reflections where it was, I don't know, I don't know his personal life. It was his like girlfriend, wife, partner. It it was a a girl (laughs) who was filming them using a camera on a gimbal. And I didn't think anything of it. I, I was actually just more interested in like, oh, okay, they're using a camera on a gimbal. That makes sense for walking around and getting smooth shots and things. But then later that day when I was like, I don't think girls use these. I was just like, I literally just saw like, you know, an entire playlist of videos on an incredibly popular channel in a male dominated space that were filmed by a female using a camera on a gimbal. Like I think that maybe they're they're not having YouTube channels. You know, my friend who's the wedding filmmaker, like I mentioned, she doesn't have a YouTube channel, which talks about her gimbal, but hundred percent is going to be interested in the Ronin gimbal that's way lighter and easier to set up than the giant pirate ship steering wheel that she's been using. So I think there absolutely is a market for it, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this is all just anecdotal, I guess. One thing we did when we were doing our couples table last week was we live during the podcast, we went to the DJI website and we looked up the page. I'll even do it right now just so I... um, In case they change anything, Um, we looked up the page for this gimbal. So DJI Ronin RS2 from DJI.com. The page is undeniably masculine. It's all black background. Um, The imagery, I mean, there's a lot of beautiful product shots, of course, but literally when it's a hand using the product, it's a guy's hand um, or very masculine female hand. But the imagery like literally it's like dudes filming cars. the gimbals hanging off the side of a car filming another car. The top image is a dude in a smoky room filming another dude playing the drums. Um, what other images do we got here we have dudes filming other musicians who are also dudes. It's just there's literally not one girl on this entire on this entire product page and they have a product video. Um, that you can watch kind of all about it. And if you click through the video, I haven't watched this whole video yet. It's mostly just product images and things, Um, but definitely not representative. It's just the same image. It's all dudes, dudes filming cars, dudes filming more cars, dudes filming dudes playing the drums, dudes setting up the gimbals. It's just guys, there's not a girl in this video, this six minute product video. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if that's intentional. (laughs) I don't know if that's just a thing that happened. Um, but what we then did on the couples table was we looked up the DJI Osmo on DJI's website, which is the like phone gimbal that they make, which that page is decidedly feminine. As soon as you go to it, literally the first image you see is a girl using it girls running with it. There is a dude cooking, like doing a cooking thing, but it's mostly, this page is mostly girls. There's a couple guys by themselves um, and most of the other guys on in any of these images or videos are like part of a couple with a girl, like they're the boyfriend or the husband or something. But otherwise, all of the hands using the product look to be female hands. Um, the background of the page is white. The image right here is a girl filming her dog, girls running, like, filming each other. Um, The whole page is just, it's so feminine compared to the the other one. There's, like, flat lay designs, which are all bright and white. The bottom of the page literally features the gimbal sitting on a white table with all its accessories and, like, a little vase with like a lavender plant or something in it like it looks it looks like a a, this looks like a product for girls for mostly girls at least and if you didn't know if you didn't know any of these things and you just went to dji's website and you were like oh let me look up gimbals okay here's an osmo this uses a smartphone this looks like it's for girls oh here's the ronin this is you know black and masculine and tough this looks like it's for guys which, sure, maybe more, you know, maybe more women by the Osmo than the Ronin, more guys by the Roman Ronin, but it's also kind of giving the message of the Osmo, where you're just going to play around with your smartphone for your social media, that's for girls. The Ronin, where you're going to make serious projects because you're serious and professional, that's for guys. That's, like, undeniably, if you go to the website right now and look at those pages. That is the story that is being told between those two products. If that's intentional or not, I don't think so because that would be awful. But it's like, it's just indicative of this issue. And so again, going back to imagine a high school student, a college student, whoever, like a female who wants to get into this stuff or is interested and wants to learn more. And that's what they see. And they're already feeling insecure about just the natural insecurities that come with these things. Like, I don't know if I'm good enough, all that. And they don't see anybody who looks like them in this space using these things at all. I think that's going to make it easier for them to then give up and to stop and to not feel like they can continue and to do this stuff or succeed in these fields because it's for the guys. It's for the serious things. I could just use my phone or whatever, but you know, the big camera things that's for the, the other people that's not for me. And I really, I spent a lot of time, I know, I'm not a, <laughs> I know I'm not a woman, but I've spent a lot of time throughout my life uh, feeling like things that I wanted to do and things that I wanted to have access to were for other people and not for me. And that sucks. And I still feel like that about some things, but that that is a really terrible way to feel where there's something that you wanna try, something you wanna be a part of, and there's just sort of this thing This innate thing that makes you feel like, that's just not for me. That's for other people. It's not for me. And so how does this equate to me shooting myself in the foot? Well, first of all, after we had our couples table last week, Heather was like, you could probably just kiss any DJI sponsorships goodbye, which I don't, I don't, I just don't think that that's necessarily the case. But I definitely had a little hesitation of like, ah, because DJI is a company that I would actually like to work with at some point. Um, We've talked about my ethics statement, which (laughs) I have since taken to describing as a pit of broken glass that a company has to crawl through. And if they still want to work with me after crawling through that, then I'll like kind of consider it. So it's like the most unfriendly guidelines for uh, working with me. And I know, you know, and and the reason that's Making me laugh is because last week I was talking about I need to make my YouTube channel you know quadruple the income of my day job, and then here's all of these things that I'm doing to just sort of it's almost like I'm trying not to succeed by implementing all these rules and one thing I added because this really bothered me, so you know I have a whole episode of this podcast where I break down the the ethics statement, how I put it together, kind of where it came from. It's on my website. you can go to hi my name is tom dot com slash ethics. And um, feel free to borrow it, modify it, use it on your own, however you want. That's totally fine. Um, But one thing I added, I did already have a thing. My very last bullet point does say, I do not participate in embargo wave releases. Sometimes new products are sent to creators in advance to be tested so that a video can be ready as soon as the product is publicly released. Not only do I find these lacking in authenticity, they annoy me. And I don't expect anyone to watch something that I wouldn't want to watch myself. But I added a point after this week, which says, uh, let me find it. It it says, if I find myself considering a sponsored campaign of any kind that includes other creators, I will only participate if there is a representative and equal mix of genders slash ethnicities. Which is just something that I feel I'm hyper aware of as a white guy in this space. But also, that's where it kind of goes to that question of if you have any kind of platform what is the responsibility if any because i think you could very easily make the argument for any of the male creators who participated in this DJI release it's very hard to say DJI they weren't do, they didn't do anything wrong they made some great videos about a cool product like that's all that they did and i know that when you're when you are approached to participate in these kinds of things they don't tell you who else is involved they don't say like here's a list of everyone do you want to join this list they just approach you one-on-one and say this is what we're doing this is what we would need from you do you want to do that yes or no and if that fits in line with your ethics your mission your values and you say yes there's nothing wrong with that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but having i, I let's put it this way i remember having you know a few hundred subscribers on my youtube channel and still finding you know there are a few people who would say like i'm getting this because you recommended it i'm doing this because of what you said and i thought that was crazy because it's like uh, who am i <laughs> like who who am i to to sway your opinion about something like that and so as your platform grows into the thousands 10,000s thousands, hundreds of thousands millions you know the things that you say and the things that you do have a lot of sway to them and so If you're, you know, one reason that I don't like these embargo videos is because in a way it feels like these people are putting their endorsement into this product, which means that if I'm looking for it, I'll want to, hey, they use it. I like that. I'll use it too. Only to find out that maybe they don't actually use it. Like speaking of the Osmo, the the DJI phone gimbal, they went nuts with creators on that. And there were more female creators involved in that wave release wave of releases too i just felt like those videos i was just getting bombarded with those for like a week but i also know a lot of the people i was watching videos from were people who have said repeatedly like i hate using my phone i don't want to use my phone i don't like the way phones look like they're it's in the camera photo video niche like they want to use higher end cameras that even though phones can be terrific and can deliver great results it's not the same as like your full frame mirrorless camera or something. it just, isn't, and it's not going to be. And so watching these people use this gimbal, I'm like, I know that you're not going to use this thing. It's not going to be the thing that you pull out every day to get your job done. You're going to make this video. It's going to kind of sit around, maybe you'll put in a giveaway or something, but that's it. But now it's, it's like you've given it your endorsement. And I don't, I just, I don't like that. I think, I know I've kind of gotten off track there, but that's just to me so disingenuous. But anyway, If you, that's one reason I don't participate in those things, but if participating in these videos, I guess, I guess that, sorry, I was kind of like totally backtracking there, jumping back to just the influence that you can, I mean, sometimes you're called literally an influencer. That's because you can influence people's decisions and the things that you say and the things that you do and the things that they see are what what create that influence and influence is such a gross word with such a negative connotation but it is a true thing like having influence is just a part of having any kind of a platform and so i think that just by asking that i know companies wouldn't say like well here's a list of everybody who's participating but if you go like yeah you know this is really interesting but um you know like can you tell me how many people are involved with this and how many of them are guys how many of them are girls you know is is it is it However you want to phrase it, but is it all people that look like me or is it is it a variety of people? I mean, if the company doesn't want to answer that question, then for me that says, well, cool, then I'm totally not going to participate. If the company does answer that question, then maybe that means, hey, we can now go to the next step because maybe you said, like, yeah, there's a there's a huge variety. We reached out to a bunch of people, you know. And to be fair also to DJI here, I don't know the story. Maybe they reached out to like a bunch of female creators who said no or who said yes and just didn't finish a video. I don't know. Th- those are things that could have happened too. So that's why, again, I don't think there was anything malicious happening, but that doesn't mean it wasn't still like harmful or potentially harmful at- in the end. And so <laughs> the reason though that I-, that I laugh is because I know that my standards are just too high for this stuff and it's going to be limiting But I also know that what I said last week, personally, was that if I wanted to make something like a YouTube channel a full-time job, I wanted to do it on my own terms, which means not selling my soul, which means not selling out my values. Equality and acceptance, those are huge values to me, and I don't want to be a part of something that makes people feel like they don't belong there. And so as much as I know this is gonna really limit the amount of companies or people that would ever wanna work with me, the amount of money that I could ever make doing this, if you ever do see a bit of sponsored content on my channel, which is, there's only been one ever so far, and there's been a lot of, there's been times where I came close, but still just said no, even though the company was fine, I just I just didn't feel like it. So in my little like budget thing every month, I have a sponsorship column for how much money comes in. It's just zero month after month. And eventually, maybe that won't be a zero. But if it ever isn't, if there ever is sponsored content on my channel, that means you know that this is a company that crawled through that pit of glass. This is a company that like went through that litmus test for being somebody I would want to work with, which means definitely has my seal of approval, my endorsement, and also would mean that I've probably been able to then create some kind of relationship or partnership with, with a supportive group or company or, or whatever. And, you know, I know that that won't happen often if ever, but at least if it does, that means it's so much better than just saying yes to everything that floods into the inbox or every opportunity to work with like any kind of name brand that I might have heard before. And that's where it's like... I. For me personally, I'm, I'm just going to speak for me. I'm not going to lay down rules for everybody else. If you have a platform and you don't feel any obligation or you're happy doing things that you're doing and it's different from the way I do it, that's entirely okay. For me, I think using that platform for positivity is very, very important. And I have seen so many times firsthand just from my platform as a teacher where I can just say a small thing or do a small thing and not even think about it. And years later... See how that like profoundly affected a student and what they thought and what they did and what they chose to do and how they felt about themselves. and that can be both positive and negative. And I think the same is true even at a larger scale when you're talking about a uh, you know a huge a wider audience online. you know i I think that the more people can see themselves represented in these fields, the better for everybody and i would gladly you know if there's a if there's a marketing campaign or something and and i ask hey are there other genders and things and they say no we only have room for this many i would gladly give up my spot to let somebody else take on that opportunity you know to take to let a like a female creator take that opportunity or somebody else who's not as well represented because lord knows if it's a camera and photo video product there's going to be plenty of white dudes talking about it um and plenty of dudes in general talking about it, so if we can get different voices in that space, I think that's only gonna serve to to benefit everybody so I guess to to kind of wrap up, I mean, I just wanted to share my thoughts on on this because it's a thing I've talked about before, and when I notice these trends i I just feel some sort of obligation to at least bring it up um i you know. I know I'm not an expert in these areas and I hope I'm not overstepping my bounds, but I just think it's, I think it's very, very helpful. And I would encourage you if you have any sort of platform to just do what you can with that platform to promote all kinds of equality and opportunities for other people to have their voices heard and to be a part of it as possible rather than feeling like they can't be a part of it or they're being excluded from it. I would also encourage you when you're seeking out stuff to, to actively search for people who don't look and sound like you, you know, next time you go on YouTube and you search for something like if you're, if you're like me and you do a lot of camera things, you know, you're searching for a review or tutorial or something, dig down a little bit, find like a smaller creator, find somebody, you know, if you're a dude, find somebody, find a female creator who's talking about that thing. Cause I promise you they are out there despite what like everything would have you think and the content is just as good and just as valuable. And the perspective is just as valid. And I just wish that it was a larger voice in the conversation. And I, I, I would just encourage everybody to actively seek those things out as best you can. So I hope that's uh, oh, it's giving you something to think about. If nothing else, just remembering that any kind of platform in real life, online, YouTube podcast, other thing, whatever, I believe does come with some kind of responsibility. And I think that if you're going to be successful in the long term, it's very important for you to establish for yourself what you think your role is and what your responsibilities are with that platform. And it does not have to align with what I think, but it should be something that you spend some time and energy considering and thinking about. So. As always, thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. I hope you're all doing well. Feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So, if you want to leave a voice message, anchor.fm slash enthusiasm. Of course, you can always reach out to me at sodarntom on all the things and youtube.com slash tombuck. And uh, thanks so much for listening. I will see you next week.